even the ground that we're standing on belongs to him. He sustains the stars and the galaxies. Have you ever like touched your heart and thought to yourself, if it stopped beating, I would die? How you need this heart to beat and how God sustains that in his love for you. We know God is here. We know the Holy Spirit is present among us in this room. So thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for this church. I would like to thank Mark Carden for coming out, uh, for speaking to us, for encouraging us, for him driving all the way over here, giving up his time, his evening with his wife to speak with us. Thank you very much. Uh, It means a lot to us and to our church. I would also like to thank all of you in this room and the the many, many people in our church who could not make it this evening. Thank you all for being faithful to this church. Thank you for giving of of time, for for gathering with us to, to encourage us, to be with us, just even to have your presence among us. Thank you for giving financially to make this possible that we can have buildings and fix things up and hire staff to to organize the ministry. Thank you for being faithful all these years of the church, as many of you in this room have seen a lot of tough times in this church. Thank you, and I, I hope and pray that 2014 was just the beginning of God's blessing upon us who have um, been faithful to this church over the years. Thank you. At this time, I know it's cliche, but I would like to give a round of applause to everybody that's here. Thank you. Less than a year ago, we sat in the North Wing building right over here, and we said that 2014 was a year of restoration for White Oak. We believed God that he wanted to use us at this point in history, in this community, and in this church. And a year later, we are here, we are stable, we are growing, people are being saved in this church, and the future is bright at White Oak Baptist Church. And the question that we were asking last year was, will we make it? And and maybe nobody asked it outright, but there was this this sense that, um, man, is God really going to do a work here among us? Does God really want to build something here? After all these years of of supposed uh, decline and things not going well, is God done? Are we going to make it? We have inexperienced first-time leadership. We have a community around us that is vastly changing, though it, some would say changing for the good, but it's changing. It's hard, to, it's hard to reach a community in transition. Will we make it? And I believe that a year later, the answer is a resounding yes. We're here, we're growing, we're healthy, and we're stable all by God's grace. But the question for 2015 is very different. The question for 2015 is not, will we make it? Because we know that God wants us here. And we've had a good year. We've had a year of fruit. We've had a year of unity and peace. Like, we, we know that God wants us here. The question for 2015 is not, will we make it? The question for 2015 is, what will our impact be? I think Satan has just given up. He just knows why it's going to be here. Uh, he tried to shut it down a few times. It didn't work. 
and we're still here. And so his, his next strategy is to do what he can to, to minimize the ministry of this church, to minimize the ministry of the people. But in light of that, I want to share really quick, um, these are just the only 15 I could think of, um, I'm sure there's many more, of the things that happened in 2015, or 2014, uh, excuse me, in light of everything that maybe in some ways was going against us. I want to read you this list really quick because I want to encourage you as to what happened last year at White Oak. Uh, the first one might seem trivial, but it's a really big deal. We launched our website, whiteoakchurch.net. I know it seems trivial. I know some people don't get why that's important. Uh, but that is like the new front door for churches. And we not only launched a web, we didn't only launch a website, we have a really cool website. Okay, if you haven't checked it out, whiteoakchurch.net, shameless plug. We have a great website to the point where even like the sermons are uploaded on it. All the information is there. And because of everything that we've been focusing on, we knew that one of the important things was, was to get a website. And several of you helped me with that as we began to prepare that. We also launched our first online podcast called White Oak Houston. And so every time a, a sermon is preached from this stage on a Sunday morning live, uh, it is recorded on the podcast. It was really cool to be in China on a mission trip and to hear the Sunday message halfway across the world. That's like I was peeking into the church because we had launched our first podcast. We doubled the amount of churches that meet weekly on our campus a year ago at this time, there was our church and one other church that regularly met here. And today, every single Sunday, there are four churches that are very different from each other that host their worship gatherings here and meet throughout the week. So we, by 100%, increase the amount of churches that are blessed by all of the renovations we are doing in the facilities that we maintain. We hired a staff. I don't think people realize this at all. Um, it really wasn't until about a month or two ago where I would say we had an actual full staff here at the church. We hired Pastor John Starr as our associate pastor. Uh, we have Lindsay Diaz doing our music. We hired Chelsea Holmes. She's not new. She's been here forever, but uh, she's been coordinating our kids' ministry. Evan and I, who were here last year, have a, have a year more of experience than we did last year. We built a team in 2014. We sent seven people on a foreign mission trip. We sent seven people, of which I was blessed to be a part of, halfway across the world to China. The story that Justin shared of baptizing three people in China was a result of your generosity and was a result of White Oak's first international mission trip in over a decade. We also supported guys like Steve Gonzalez in our church, who was on a year-long mission trip. We gave around $5,000 to Lottie Moon, our, our global missions offering. We ministered to families in times of need. We walked with families in our church who lost a loved one. We cried with them. We helped with their funeral. And we're walking with them to this day. We helped several people financially due to tough times. We paid water bills. We paid electric bills. We paid mortgages for people in our church who had a rough month or people who lost their jobs. Sometimes I wish that you all could see all of the, the generosity that happens in this church. We housed a homeless man for a while, but don't tell anybody that because I heard that's illegal. So, um, but, uh, but without knowing that, there was a couple different guys who were homeless for a period and we were able to give them a warm place to stay. Sunday morning attendance grew from an average of 105 people on a, any given Sunday to 145 people on an average Sunday. That's 40% growth in just one year. We renovated the chapel that you're sitting in. This building 
was like eight months ago, was in disrepair. It was severely outdated. It wasn't even up to code. It wasn't even legal for people to meet in. It was sitting here. It was rotting. But thank you to the generosity of you all, we were able to renovate this, as well as some of the hurt backs of some of our young guys of moving a lot of chairs. And there were a lot of old chairs in here um, that some of the young guys and, and some of the older guys in the church helped move out for us. And probably the most important thing is in 2014, we saw 15 people in this church baptized right here. 15 people baptized. But this is just the beginning. The question for 2015 is, 2015 is not a year of restoration. 2015 is a year of impact. We have been strategically placed here, and the question is now, what will our impact be? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the street called T.C. Jester. Most of you have, T.C. Jester. Raise your hand if you know the story of T.C. Jester. One, maybe two. This is a really cool story. I learned this this past week. I've grown up in Oak Forest my entire life. And I would even argue that T.C. Jester is probably the primary street in our community. T.C. Jester Park is named after it. It runs across the bayou. It takes you from Oak Forest into the Heights. But T.C. Jester Street is not just a random street name. In fact, T.C. Jester Street was named after the Reverend T.C. Jester. I found this out this past week. There's a website online where you can find all the historic Houston street names and why they're named that way. And T.C. Jester was a reverend back in the early 1900s in this community, leading up to the mid-1900s. And he was the pastor of Temple Baptist Church in the Heights. Many of you might have been there at one point. And T.C. Jester was a man who was so influential. And he was a man who was known for loving two things. He loved Jesus very much and the gospel of Jesus. And he loved people very dearly. And T.C. Jester was so impactful and he was such a man of God in the community that whenever he died, they decided to name one of the marquee streets of Houston as his community was growing after him. And when I found that story out this week, I got like goosebumps. Because I've been driving on this street my entire life. And I never knew that there was so much of a gospel implication behind it. And not only that, but it just so humbled me in our church that long before White Oak was even here, God was at work in this community. That that long before this church was even here or you or I were here, God's kingdom was working through people in this city to bring people to the saving name of Jesus. You see, T.C. Jester had an impact that forever impacted this community. So, what 2015, what will our impact be? Lucky for you, I have the answer. The answer is simple, is that our impact will mirror the faith in our hearts. Our impact will mirror the faith in our hearts. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Joshua leads Israel across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Do you remember that story? It's a beautiful story. Uh, God's people were enslaved in Egypt, and and God rose up a man named Moses to lead the people out. 
But once God had saved them and rescued them, there was still a problem that they, they couldn't seem to trust God. Like God had just saved them and, and yet they were still like wandering away from God. And after 40 years of wandering, God said it was time for them to finally enter in the promised land. And so God had a man named Joshua who he, who he raised up. And he told Joshua to tell the people, it is time now to enter into the promised land. But there was a problem. There, were, there was a raging sea that was in between them and the promised land. And across the border, there were armies and enemies and people who wanted them to be dead. They, they knew where the promised land was, and yet it seemed like there was something in the way. And in Joshua chapter 3, I want you to hear what the Lord says to Joshua. He says this, on the day when they were going to do it, he says, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I think sometimes in a church like White Oak, in a church where it feels as if maybe the best days are in the past, it feels sometimes as if God dwelt powerfully back then and we're just the remnant of what's left. And I think that probably in a lot of ways the people of Israel felt that way. But what God told the Israelites before they crossed is he said, do you realize that I am still with you? Do you, do you realize that as I was with Moses, that I will be with you as well? And God said, the way he was going to prove this to them, the way he was going to show them that I will be with you, is he says, whenever you walk across the Jordan, I'm going to part it for you. And it says, you will know that I'm with you when you step in the middle of a river and you touch the dirt. And it says in verse 17, Now the priests who were bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. God was faithful. And I believe that 2015 for us is the year of impact. But here's the thing. You are not allowed to enter the promised land. You can never enter the promised land if you don't trust that God is going to part the Jordan River in front of you. You see, God has told us, White Oak, that he is with us. God has told us that he loves us and that he wants to use us. He has told us all of these things. But we have to step out in faith. We have to take God up on his promises. And I feel as if right now it's like we're standing on the bank. We're standing and we're looking at becoming the church that we know God has always wanted us to be. And there's God saying, I will be with you. I was with Moses, and I was with Joshua. I was, with this, I was here in this community when it was first being settled. I was here with, uh, with Brother Hollums when this church was, was planted and set right here. And I'm with every single one of you this day. 
the impact of our church will mirror the faith in our hearts. The only dangerous thing about reading the Bible, and it's the only time I'll ever say this, is we can sometimes think as we read the stories that God moved then, but that he doesn't move now. And White Oak, I believe that this year, after a year of, of restoration, of, of kind of getting it together, of learning to know one another and love each other, after a year of, of recovery, after a year of growth and seeing that God really can do good things in our church, after a year of, of reopening the baptismal and seeing people dunked for the first time, after a year of opening our main building, after a year of going on an international mission trip, I believe that was God saying, White Oak, so as I was with Moses, so as I was with Joshua and the people of Israel, White Oak, I will be with you. Everybody says they want to be a part of extraordinary. Everyone wants to be a part of something miraculous and amazing. But do our lives reflect that? If somebody were to look at your schedule and your calendar, what would they think about you? Would they look at your schedule and think that person wants to be a part of a move of God? I love what Mark shared about. Like, on our calendar, like, do we set aside time to find ways to share the gospel with people? Do we prioritize gathering with the church? Do we make time to see God move, or do we just kind of act ordinary and wonder why God doesn't move in powerful ways in our lives? If God were to look at your, at your bank account, what would it say about you? What are we committed to? What do we believe in? What are we placing our hope and our trust and our faith in based upon just looking at our mere lives? I believe, Wadok, that this is a year of impact for our church. I believe we're ready. I believe that 2015 will be a good, healthy, unified year for our church. And I believe that the way we will do it is by continuing the vision that we committed to last year with a, with a slight modification that I want to talk about. Uh, I think what is really important as we go forward this year, as we commit to having an impact in our community and in our city, I think we have to clarify really in our lives what it really means to be a part of the church. I'm going to walk through this, and, and then I'm going to walk through the five initiatives that I have for us this year. And, and I know you're probably so tired of hearing me say this, but I think that's a good thing. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to be a part of God's kingdom invading the city through gathering, growing, and going. Very simple. Some of you say, wait, give used to be in there, okay? And we're going to slightly modify it, not because we're going to stop giving, we're not going to stop being generous, but we honestly believe that giving is a part of growing, essentially. And, and sometimes people equate giving with money, so we, we want to kind of be, be weary of that. Why, look, for us to do this, it's really simple. The way that we can be a church that reaches people for Jesus is by gathering together regularly. The main expression of this, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's Sunday morning, our Sunday gathering. We want to have uh, good Sunday gatherings that encourage the people, that equip the people. We want to encourage our people to come regularly. We want to encourage people to, to gather with the church, not just because it's, it gets our attendance numbers up, but because like when I see your face, it encourages me. And when we have people in a room that are gathered together, 
when you've got 200 people singing the praises of Jesus, it's really encouraging. So we want to encourage people to gather with the church. The second thing is we want to grow. And I'm not going to give you too much on that because that would, spoiler alert, the rest of what I'm going to say. So we're going to grow, and then we're going to go and make disciples. And so you say, that sounds great, John. But what does that look like practically? And what I would like to submit to you today is what I think are five things that we should focus on for 2015. Like, this is it right here. Like, this is the crux of it. This is where the, where the rubber meets the road. I think there are certain things that are standing in the way of us becoming the church that God wants us to be. I think that this um, is the, the river that we're crossing together. The first thing is this, and this is an obvious one. We've already announced this one, so you know this. Uh, we want to continue our renovations for the church. I have a slide up here. And I want to be kind of specific as to what I, I see that looking like this year. I've talked to a lot of people, and I've kind of asked, like, what are the main things? What are the priorities? What are the things we've got to focus on? Um, and what I'm going to challenge us to do this year is to raise an additional $50,000 on top of our budget to continue our renovations. And some people say that's impossible. They said it was impossible last year, but we did it. We actually exceeded the extra $50,000. And I'm going to challenge us to do that again this year. And and we want to use that money to begin doing three things primarily. Number one, uh, we want to continue phase two in the chapel. Last year was phase one, and we broke it down to three phases. And this year, we want to do phase two. That includes the sound, which a lot of people have mentioned. Obviously, it's very echoing here. Uh, We want to get the sound set up properly. We want to fix the lighting, and we also want to fix the stage. And we believe that within that $50,000, we've already gotten some bids. We believe we can take on those projects. We also want to renovate our kids' area, which I'll talk about here in a second. And then lastly, I would like to add bathrooms into the West Wing. We opened that building about two years ago, uh, but the problem is we don't have bathrooms in it. It's kind of an awkward fit right now. And so within this money for renovations, I would like to add bathrooms into the West Wing as well. But this is the second thing, and the thing that maybe people aren't as familiar with. 2015 will be a year when we highly emphasize kids' ministry. Uh, I was uh, heavily convicted of this a few months back. I was listening to a sermon, and the preacher was talking about why kids in the church are so important. And he said, the thing about kids that we often don't realize is they're usually the most unknowing of the scriptures of all the people in your church. Just due to their age, they don't know the stories of the Bible. They don't know things. And, and, and how come we so often focus on our own classes and adult stuff and we kind of don't pay enough attention to the kids? I want to call our church in 2015 to value our kids. I want to give the kids the best teaching and training that we have, the best teachers, the best facilities. We want to put our kids first priority. As Mark mentioned, Waduk has a, has a great history of youth and kids, and I want to continue that in this church. But what it takes is a team of church coming together and focusing on our kids' ministry together. I want to focus on our, on our kids' ministry. I want to prioritize those who need to know who Jesus really is. The third thing is this. 2015, I'm going to call us to launch small groups. We've talked a little bit about this, and uh, we're going to— Small groups will probably not be the actual name of it, uh, but we believe that one of the things that hinders us in actually growing in our faith is growing in smaller communities. Now, some of our senior members may meet on Sunday mornings for Sunday school, and that's great for them, and we love that. We want to honor that. But for some people, Sunday morning works, and for other people, maybe Sunday evening, maybe a midweek thing works. 
we want to begin small groups, house churches, missional communities, however we're going to phrase them. We want to begin that this year. And this is something that is so important in our church going forward because we've kind of ignored this step, to be honest, as a church. Uh, but with the leadership of Pastor John Starr, we're going to begin those this year. And uh, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge you to kind of step out a little bit and to step into community. I'm going to challenge you to, to prioritize Sunday morning, but also to involve yourself in a small group where someone's going to ask you personal questions. I think oftentimes growth comes in smaller groups. I think oftentimes for people that are new to the faith, some, faith sometimes a, a Sunday morning service kind of overwhelms them. So we want to open up small groups to be another avenue for people to hear about Jesus. Fourth thing is this. It's called everyone for everyone. And I'll be honest with you. This is the one I'm the least certain about. The first three are easy. We've got those. We, we, we can figure those out. We can do that. This is the one I'm going to need some help, right? And, and God is still clarifying things for me. Uh, I went on a, a mission trip, on our China mission trip a few months back. And, um, you know, like everybody, I, I got infected with it. I, I saw the beauty of global missions and what God is doing all across the world. And I was reminded during my time over there that because of technology today, and because of the things that God has given us, that we have a very unique opportunity to impact global missions. And what I would like to do is begin an initiative in our church called Every One, Two Words, For Everyone, One Word, that essentially says that we, we desire for every single individual in our church to have a hands-on approach to global missions. We want to connect the person sitting in the chair right here to China, to Pakistan, to Islamic countries, and the way we want to do this is by putting missions at the forefront. We want to continue.